Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. A reset of the prophetic movement is upon us. The second wave of prophets is rising in this hour. We stand at the edge of a new era in the prophetic. We're gathering the international prophetic community at the Global Prophetic Center, a hub for prophetic training, prophetic labs, summits, networks, and lighthouses. It's time for prophets to go deeper. It's time for seers to soar. It's time for prophetic voices to rise up and decree what says the Spirit of God with accuracy that causes the world to pay attention. The Global Prophetic Center offers proven prophetic systems and structures to equip you to walk worthy of your calling and to prophesy with precision, boldness, diplomacy, and wisdom. Get hands-on training and mentoring in a safe environment that breeds true prophetic community and learning. Receive impartation and activation. Sharpen your gift and avoid prophetic pitfalls. Get commissioned. Get networked. Get sent out with the word of the Lord in your mouth and the confidence to release it. Begin your journey today by applying at globalpropheticcenter.com. Very profound uh, text that jumped in, in, in my spirit as I was reading it. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, and it's still relevant today. He says, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers, for in Christ have begotten you through the gospel. And so um, we've learned what Paul was talking about, because a lot of times we read this particular text on the surface, and it's easy to miss the revelation. Paul was speaking as a father to a um, church who was young and immature. They were gifted, they were talented, and, and God used them. But yet they had a lot of character flaws and infighting, and they were immature. And Paul began to talk to them about having 10,000 instructors. So we usually hear messages and sermons that is strictly focused on spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. But very seldom have we heard anyone teach about our instructors. And so we're, our series is entitled, A School Called Life. And just to recap, he's admonishing an entire church but when he turned to his spiritual protege and his successor, he says to Timothy, to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse uh, 15 to 16. He's just admonishing him. So we know that we have to study, and if life is, in fact, a school, who are the instructors? And what is their assignment for and to us? And then what are we supposed to learn? And so for every believer, we learned in the first part of this message that we're trained at the Academy of Spiritual Protocol. 
and we matriculate through the school of the Holy Spirit and we graduate from Kingdom University where God himself is, is the president, CEO, and founder. We would not have life without God. And Jesus is the provost. Your board of regents is the angelic host. The department heads are your leadership, your supervisors, your parents, your and, and employers. They are your mentors, your coaches, your role models. They are the fivefold ministry gifts. The principle of the school called life is wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the principle. The proctor is fiery trials and tests. We already shared with you the syllabus and the curriculum drawn from the institution's library, consisting and comprising of 66 books, all of which are designed for you to maximize your potential, to fulfill your purpose, to grow holistically, to progress, to succeed, to prosper, and to live as God's representative. Your instructors, your teachers, are assigned to teach you a lesson. This is the only school that you will go through where you will take your test first and then learn your lessons. Today I want to introduce you again to your teachers. Last week we gave you an overview of your syllabus. We determined that it is God's will for us to become lifelong learners. And when the student is ready, the teacher appears. We introduced you last week to experience. Experience teaches you about the nature of God. We introduce you to the Word of God, which is your life manual. It's open 24-7. And your life manual, which is the Bible, is your reference for living life to its fullest. We introduce you to rejection as a teacher. And we told you that rejection is one of the greatest lessons that you would learn because when you are prepared to lose favor with others, you gain favor with God. Then we introduce you to another instructor, which is loss. Loss is all about values clarification. My mother said, you don't miss the water until the well runs dry. I learned that you don't miss health until you're sick. You don't miss your sight until you're blind. You don't miss the ability to walk until you lose your ability to walk. And so you learn this particular loss teaches you how to live with gratitude, to be able to say thank you. For the small things we take for granted, our children and our husbands and our pastors, and we become over familiar with one another, and we've learned that we've lost the art of saying thank you. Whereby God said, "In all things, give thanks." You never know when something or someone is going to be taken away with you. It's too late to give someone flowers when they're in their casket. They can't smell it, they can't see it. And a lot of people live with regret for the things that they didn't do when they had someone in their life. This is what happens with children. We regret we didn't listen to our parents until after our parents die. 
We learn too late. Death is another teacher. Death teaches us how fragile life is and how that there is a conception date and an expiration date for everything. There's a time and a season for everything. A time to be born and a time to die. A time for something to be around. And we have to learn how to extrapolate the lesson that God gives us in the middle of, of something existing. Nothing lasts forever. Absolutely nothing. And so death is going to teach us and it's going to teach us a great lesson. We have opportunities. And opportunities teach us how to maximize our potential. We've got problems and crises that expose our potential. A lot of people pray against the very problem that they need. And it's problems that we are faced with that, that gives rise to potential. We talked about how there's an encyclopedia of world problems and human potential. So potential is always matched with a problem. You should be a problem solver in this season. Don't pray against it, solve it. And it's gonna start in your personal life. If you can't solve your own personal problems. And next year I'm, I'm, I'm going into a season of financial consecration. I'm just throwing this out and uh, I'm going to be living off of $50 a week. And if I want to spend more, if I need to spend more, and trust me, I'm gonna to need to spend more. Why? I've, I've got to fill up my car. I've, I've got to buy groceries, you know. There were things that I got to do. And it's gonna take more than $50. And then many of you have birthdays. And you know, unless you want a homemade birthday card that I colored in with Crayola crayons and said happy birthday to you, I gotta figure out how to reach on the inside of myself and take a $50 and create wealth. And so this is my, this is a, just a challenge. What problem am, am I gonna solve? I, it's a pigeon peer. If I'm gonna create wealth, if I'm going to leverage a $50 and, and turn it into wealth so I can live, I wanna live. I, I, I don't wanna live off of just a bag of celery and uh, uh, some romaine lettuce. I, I, I like to eat, I got to eat. And so if I'm going to do that, in order for me to create the wealth that I need, I've got to identify the problem I'm going to solve. And if you cannot solve personal problems, how is God going to use you to solve the problems of the world? So it starts with your little problems that you have 50 prayer warriors interceding for you. For what? We've got bigger things to pray about. And so problems and crises expose your potential, your potential. And you are not going to walk through life like a victim. And, and using your story to gain pity. What is pity going to pay? Pity cannot pay for your mortgage. Pity cannot pay for your car note. Pity cannot send your children to school. And problems and crises shows you your potential until you become more than victorious. You will look at a problem and say, behind Goliath, 
there is my throne and there is my crown and Goliath is you and me and with me and God were the majority. God showed David, look, this problem that is plaguing your entire community, your entire nation, it's a pitch and pier. I'm calling you to solve it. What problem is God calling you to solve? Let's just start with your family. Have you brought your family together? Have you, have you, have you been the, the go-to so that you can be a peacemaker amongst your family? You're talking about your family being dysfunctional? That means that means you're the only functional one in your family. How is God going to use you? What is the lesson that this problem is trying to teach you? And that lesson is going to point towards your potential. All of us have potential. And that's what problems are there for. Then we introduce you to time. Time teaches you patience. It teaches you urgency. It teaches you the danger, procrastination. We, we, I love to quote uh, uh, Lord Chesterfield, know the true uh, value of time. Snatch it, seize it, enjoy every moment of it. No laziness, no idleness, no procrastination. Never put off tomorrow for tomorrow what you can do today, David said. So teach me to number my days. Let me account for every hour when you at the end of this year whatever remains whether it's a book whether it's a business whether it's prosperity whether it's a healthy relationship you exchanged it for time have you wasted your time or have you leveraged it everybody gets 24 hours in a day and we have to learn how to leverage our time who is wasting your time Whoever you allow to waste your time, you know, we talk about wasting time. We don't just waste time. We waste our entire life. You're wasting away. When you give up your time, you're wasting your life. Then we introduce you to enemies and critics. You remember that? And how important your enemy is, how important your critics are. Critics show you gaps in your character. It shows you the gaps in your strategy. And sometimes we have life strategies that we have downloaded and we have not even made an inquiry from God or we haven't even inquired to God about vision. You cannot have a life strategy that is not attached to your vision. Success follows strategy and strategy is determined by vision. And you've got to interact with your vision every single day. If you have not written your vision, you should be sitting down, you should be praying, you should be asking God, what does my next year look like? What does the next five years look like? You should be in preparation now. You should be receiving downloads. I already know what, what and your strong next year is going to look like, who's going to be there. Why? Because I've been talking to God. I don't have to wait for five months out. God knows next year and the year after and the year after, download to me the next five years so going out of this year, I can prepare. Who do I need to call? What do I need to do? What do I need to start? What do I need to stop? I already know what my eating plan is going to be like January, February, March, April, May, June, and July. I already know how many times I'm going to fast. I already know how many consecrations I'm going to go on. 
Your enemies and your critics show the gap. The gap in your strategy, the flaw in your strategy, the gaps in your character. But they also show you your value in the marketplace. Why? Because the enemy will never fight you in the area that he fears you in. The, the enemy will fight you in the area that he fears you in. The enemy will fight you in the area he fears you in. So if you're going through warfare now and your enemy is rearing up his head, oh, I feel like speaking in tongues. I just had a vision just go straight across. I, I, I saw a man in business and I saw him fighting. And, and I saw the word of the Lord reaching him. Keep fighting. I might as well say it to you. Keep fighting. Don't give up. I know it's been long. But, but, but the tides are about to turn in your favor. You fight for your children. You fight for your business. You fight for your character. You fight for your reputation. You fight for your position. You fight for your raise. You fight and you never give up. History is going to be your teacher. History teaches us the strength of the human spirit. And that means if other people that we read about in history could do what they do in their generation, you could do what you have to do in this generation. We've got more than, than they ever had. We have more money. We have more opportunity. We have more resources. So that means that we should be able to do more for God. History. Then nature teaches us about God. Children teaches us how not to take life so serious. You know, yes, life is serious, but you can have fun. I have fun. I have a lot of fun. I have fun doing every day. My husband asks me, how was your day? I said, this was the most amazing day I ever had in my life. And he said, you said that about yesterday. I said, well, Dan, this is amazing on steroids. I'm having fun with my life. I enjoy every second. I like a good scrap. So I come out of a good scrap and I say, I have fun. I might be all scratched up, bruised up, but I had fun. If I'm going to fight, I'm going to win. Are you with me? And what? I learned new strategies and warfare. I'm having the time of my life. Every morning I awaken, I throw myself a party. Oh, yes. Every day. And I, I, I love life so much, I have to make myself go to sleep. Last night I was having so much fun that I had to chew some melatonin to, to rest my nerves and go to sleep. And I chewed a gummy type just to turn my brain off. Children teach you. You know, I have a great, great nieces and nephews. And, 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 and I heard one of them crying the other day. And uh, uh, I was like, well, what's going on? And I heard, I don't want to go to bed. And I said, that's how I feel. <laughs> I don't want to go to bed. I wish we didn't have to sleep. And to put myself to bed. But you've got to be like a child. You've got to remain, remain pure, blessed of the pure in heart. Because they shall see God. This is fantastic. Do you know what that means? It means that in everything and in every circumstance, you're going to see God. You're going to see his thumbprint. Everything that you're going through, no matter how good, no matter how dark or bad, you're going to see God. 
You're going to see God in everybody. You're going to smile because you're going to be able to say, you meant it for evil. But I see God in this. My Lord, I see him. I, I sense him. I, I sense this is the sovereignty of God at work in me. You got another teacher that we introduce you to, pain and suffering. That's a hard one, isn't it? Pain, suffering. The pain and suffering points to the fact that something needs to be adjusted. Whenever you have pain in your body, there's some sort of nutritional adjustment that you've got to make. But it also teaches you resilience. And then pain and suffering also points to your assignment. Because your pain point should be crafted in a prayer, into a prayer point. And your prayer point is going to point you to your assignment. Shall I say that one more time? So when you have pain and suffering in your family, in your community, in your, in your you know, this year we, we, we are having a night of giving. And all of our attendees, we are inviting our attendees to bring something to give back. This is very important, and one of the people, one of the organizations we're giving to, is um, Salvation Army. The Salvation Army is important because I was a beneficiary of Salvation Army. I was a part of a family that lived on the fringes of society. There was this one organization, and I remember Mrs. Benjamin and, and, and Captain Benjamin, Major Benjamin, and the two of them felt the pain of poverty. And they turned that pay, and they turned the pain point in our community into a prayer point. And their prayer point pointed to an assignment. And that assignment was me and my family. I'm a recipient. So when you have pain in your family and pain in community and pain in your nation and pain in your industry and pain in the government, it's not there for you to be a commentary on social media. Weighing in. You weigh in in the realm of the spirit. Why? Because you're dealing with spiritual issues. And what happens with the average believer, unless we're trained and we keep being trained and re reminded that praying about something that has manifested in the earth realm is too late. You've got to be able to go back up in the realm of the spirit. Because the spirit realm is the causal realm. And so what is heaven trying to birth in your pain, in, your, in the struggle, in the suffering? Who is he trying to birth? Not just what, but who? And Daniel said, look, I've got to intercede. And he was interceding and interceding. And then his angel came and tapped him and said, listen, from the first day you started praying, Daniel, God sent the answer, but we had demonic interference. And we're wondering why God is taking so long in the realm of the spirit. There is demonic interception and demonic interference. And who is mature enough to discern that? May the mantle of Daniel for prayer come upon you tonight. May you feel the heartbeat of God. May the, may, may the mantle of Mordecai come upon you. That even as a professional, may you pick up the pain within your profession and within your community and within your nation and take that pain point and turn it into a prayer point and maybe God will point you to your assignment. I'm pointed to my assignment. 
And we're fulfilling it with a group of anointed, creative innovators. And most of them are millennials. And after the millennials, we got the alpha generation that we got to consider. Not just the millennials, but their babies. Take pain points. Craft them as your prayer points. For God's sake, don't stop praying. Don't stop. Don't stop. Where's your prayer points? What's your pain points? Think about it for a moment, right where you are. Let God drop that mantle of prayer. Let him uh, thicken the hedges. Let, let you be the one that stands in the gap that thickens the hedges. Can we just take a few minutes? Where are the pain points? Think about it. Ask the Holy Spirit. Show me the pain points. You should be familiar with the pain points in your own personal life. You should be familiar with the pain points in your family. You should be familiar with the pain points in your ministry. You, have to, you should be familiar with the pain point in, in your spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. You should be familiar with the pain point, at least in your community and your government. We have a divided nation. But not just United States of America, everywhere in the world. You are seeing, you know, uh, uh, so much pain and so much struggle. And everyone's looking to government. But God is going to use you, and we're going to learn it, uh, learn it tonight. He's going to use you as a light. And you're going to shine that light. You're going to be used to shine a light to, to God and give insight and give solutions. You're a solution carrier. What is the pain point? How should you craft your prayer points? And who are you praying with? Do you have anybody around you? That could pick it up. Do you have a Mordecai? Or maybe you're Mordecai. Are you, do you have anybody in your life to speak to what you're carrying? To speak and to be able to say, look, God is birthing you out. Don't abort the process. Do not pray Joseph from out of prison until the statue of limitation is up. Do not pray Daniel out of the lion's den. Do not pray the fiery, uh, the, the Hebrew voice out of the fiery furnace. And people need to know when to pray with you and when to pray for you and then when to pray so that you are delivered. I don't need your pity. I need your prayer. But I need an accuracy, accurate, accurate prayer. Tapping into. Are you there? Who's your Mordecai? Who's your Mordecai? Who's your Mordecai? Point to me. Who's your Mordecai? Thank you. I was giving you hints. That's my, that's my role. It's a pleasure to be able to see you. I don't care how many people are here. I see you. My, my role is to track in the realm of the spirit every time you show up and the Holy Spirit to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in calibrating an atmosphere so that you thrive and so that you're birthed out and so that you have articulation for what God is doing in your life shout I understand, I understand. 
Give your neighbor a high five. Say, I understand. Now I know why I'm here. I got it. Paul said, you had 10,000 instructors. Nobody told us who our instructors were. The spirit of God is your instructor. He teaches you the ways of God. Truth is your instructor. It teaches you how to live with freedom, without lids, without limitations, without restriction. Your family teaches you citizenship and the value of community. And thank God, those of you that didn't have a functional family, thank God, even if your first family messed up, you have a second family, you are now a part of the family of God. And we're gonna love you. And we're going to love you into maturity. And we're going to raise a standard so that it will be just out of your reach but within your grasp. We're going to hold you accountable. And we're not going to let you undermine your own greatness. You'll learn to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You have friendships, associates, networks. And they are mirrors of yourself. What you resent in your friends and your networks and your associates and your colleagues and your allies, what you resent in them is secretly harbored in you, but you have a blind spot. You don't draw to yourself who you want. You draw to yourself who you are. And if you keep having the same people, the same people, you need to change. And when you change, when you have the change is hard, it's tough, and you need someone to hold you accountable. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Well, when you going to do it? You said that 50 years ago. I'm changing. You got to challenge yourself, and it's hard. Because just like the natural body loves homeostasis, so does your soul. Your soul doesn't want to be uh, disciplined. Your soul wants to feel what it wants to feel. The scripture says, don't, do not be worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. That's the activity of your soul. Well, I'm going to eat. Well, I'm going to drink. Well, I'm going to put on. And God said, don't worry about those things. But what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to put on. And then we got upset. If you've ever been around a woman, a woman could go in her, a man could go in the closet and be grateful. And wear the same sweater, the same shoes, the same pants. And you, you say, you wore that last week, man. I like it. And they'll repeat that one shirt, like if I see you in that shirt one more week. And they're happy. That's why the scripture says, you know, an unwise person is like a man that looks in the mirror. It didn't say like a woman. Because a man is going to go in, you know, groom and come out, and he's going to keep walking. And But, but a woman, she's going to groom, and then she's going to look in every mirror going out of the house, and then she's going to have a compact, and then she's in any, any window, she's going to act like she's window shopping, and she's going to be looking like this. <laughs> She's not looking, she's looking at herself. And that's how God wants us to look in the word. Not like a man who looks once. He, we want you to be like a woman. Keep looking, get your compact. That's the word of God. Get your little small Bible and get your big Bible and get your concordances. You know, 
But a woman would go in the closet. Well, I'm going to eat. And it's a lot of food. And they'll get up and they'll be upset. I don't have anything to eat. <laughs> then she's going to go into her, her, you know, the refrigerator. And she's going to say, I don't have nothing to eat in here. Then she's going to go in her closet. I don't have nothing to put on. And you're like, honey, why don't you wear that? That don't fit. Why don't you wear that? That don't look nice. Why don't you wear those shoes? I don't have anything to wear with it. Why don't you wear that shirt? There, I don't have a pair of pants to wear with it. Why did you buy it? Your soul is going to betray you. That's why the word of God is there to the saving of your soul. And so if you really want to know what you look like, look at your friends. If all your friends look like you, you draw them to you. If your friends get on your last nerve, you got to look at yourself because they're a mirror of you. Then you've got the age, the elderly. They, they give you wisdom. They give you perspective in life. Scripture says your days shall speak uh, and, and multitude of years shall teach wisdom. Job 32 and 7 shall teach wisdom. So that's what you want. You want them to speak to you. This is the difference between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Solomon dies as Rehoboam, Jeroboam. And one of them listened to the elders. The others listened to his friends. And eventually that particular uh, tribe, the ten tribes, were taken into bondage first. Because they listened to their friends. And that's the sign that you're immature. You're still sophomoric. You're still operating as if you're somewhere between 13 and 25. For the millennials, they're saying, I am 25. So you're excused. But those that are 26 and beyond, if you're still not able to bring the vision or know who to ask uh, or bring the wisdom or know who to ask for wisdom, then you've got some maturity to do. And then you've got your mistakes, your trials, your error that teaches you pers uh, persistence. You've got culture that teaches you, um, teaches, teaches us how to value uh, humanity. Um, and it teaches about the multifaceted nature of God. You've got your mentors, your coaches, your role models. I gave you the IQ, EQ, CQ, and SQ squared. We'll talk about that uh, when we get to that particular message. Then we talk about listening, the art of listening that gives you perspective. You don't know everything. And you've got to hear, you know, we always think we're always right. I know I'm always right. But I learned the art of listening. And in listening, I saw another perspective. It's not that you're wrong. It's just that other people have different perspectives. And so it doesn't make sense you arguing about an elephant and the only thing that you see is the trunk. And you want everybody else to describe it like you see it. Well, you know, I'm holding on to the tail. Someone's got the leg. Someone's, uh, somebody else has the husk. Another person has the ear. So it's all about just weighing, being able to be open to see other perspectives. And look how effective you become when you learn how to listen. Not just hear, but listen for understanding. Then you have lifelong learning. And then the prophetic, uh, lifelong learning teaches you how to stay on the cutting edge. That's what we need. And then the prophetic reveals the mind of God. And then finally, your last teacher is fivefold ministry gifts. Amen? So you want to take a few minutes just to stand up.
and just raise your hands and just praise God just for 30 seconds. Amen. We're going to re-engage you only for a couple of minutes and we only have a few minutes left. Amen. Just raise your hands and praise God and stretch at the same time. Give yourself a Holy Ghost stretch and re-engage your mind. Glory to God. Shout, I understand. I'm getting this. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Yes. How many of you are learning something from your family? Some of you, your hands are way up. Your hands are way up. I'm going to talk to you about your first instructor. First instructor. Let's turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 16, and we're going to uh, braid that or twist that together with Genesis 30, verse 27. Genesis 30, verse 27. Take copious notes, please. Ecclesiastes 1, 16. Your first instructor, your first instructor. Solomon said, I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Genesis 30, 27. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience. Listen to the wording. I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for thy sake. I've, I've, uh, experience has taught me something about me, and experience has taught me something about the Lord. So we, we, your, first, your first teacher, your first instructor in the school of life is experience. Experience gives you the ability to go through life with cliff notes. It gives you the ability to go through life with a cheat sheet. Because it's not just about your experience, but it's other people's experiences. And imagine being able to sit and talk to someone that has already had experience. And they have 40 years experience and 50 years experience and 30 years experience. And you're able to sit down and talk to that person that has experience. Can you imagine how you can quantum leap your life? And they're able to tell you in an hour what took them 40 years and 50 years and 60 years to learn. And you learn it in an hour. And what took them 50 years, you might be able to do it instead of 50 years. You might be able to do it in 50 weeks. Just because of an experience. I remember hiring a, a business coach and it cost me a, a great sum of money and I invested it in it and it was only two days and I paid him an awful lot of money in order for him to come. And when I sat in front of him, he began, we, we, we spent two days together and uh, I paid him $30,000. So that's 15000 a day. And a lot of you, if $15,000 seems like a lot of money, I, I really do need to teach you. Because $15,000 is not a lot of money to talk to a man that was retired, that had been in business for over 55 years, and I got to spend two days with him. And I took one piece of information, and within five minutes, I made $100,000. Now, $15,000 doesn't seem like a whole lot of money now all of a sudden, does it? 
And so when we look at experience, we don't have value for experience. And we don't even know what questions to ask. If you have someone, I've been preaching 40, almost 42 years. If you have someone with 42 years worth of experience in ministry, what kind of questions would you ask? If you sat with someone that had 50 years in business and they had the proof that their business was successful and their bottom lines were, were healthy and vibrant and, and robust and you sat in front of them, what questions would you ask? A lot of us come and we have discussions and we talk about me, 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 and you haven't done anything. You don't have the experience, but you want an experienced person to sit up and listen to you. For what? How do you leverage experience? And sometimes we leverage it too late. But watch this. Experience is the best teacher. That's what they say. Experience is the best teacher. But it doesn't always have to be your experience. And in the days to come, you are going to understand the power of experience. Because Laban says, I have this testimony. And my testimony comes from an experience. And in the days to come, you are going to be the testimony that changes things in this world. And how are you going to change it? Everything in this world is stacked up against Christianity and is stacked up against God. And people have a case against God and God is going to use your experience to prove the reality of his existence. And listen to me carefully. Remember we told you that a testimony has the power to change the outcome of a case, any case. It changes the outcome of a case, especially if it is a credible testimony. And as you are experiencing what you are experiencing, whether you're experiencing things in relationships and the job, whether they're negative or whether they're positive, whether people are angry at you, whether you're being rejected, whether you're struggling financially, whether you're struggling emotionally, whether you're struggling with your identity, whatever you are struggling with, whether you had a loss or a death and this has been your experience, what people cannot do, they cannot discount your experience. They may not agree with your theology, but what they cannot do is to discount your experience. And your experience that you are having right now is pointing to God, and the more you know about God, the more you know about yourself. Here we are presented with Laban, and Laban has an employee, and his name is Jacob. And he said, before you, 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 I hired you. I was a mom and pop set up. But after I've hired you for the last 20 years, I have learned by experience that the only reason why I'm a Fortune 500 company, it is because God sent you to me. I didn't realize how much I needed God until you showed up. And some people in your family, God is, is going to use you and they're looking at you and people in the workplace where other people are grumbling and complaining but yet you still have a praise on your tongue and people are going to eventually ask you after everything that you went through and 
after everything they said about you, you still have a praise. You are not disgruntled. You are not gossiping at the water, you know, be, at, behind the water cooler. How do you keep your cool? And you are going to be able to testify it was God. People in your family are going to admire you. They know what you've been through. They know how you struggle. But God brought you through. People that see you struggle. People that see you go through. People that know what you've been through. They know about your divorce. They know how you lost your house. They know how you lost your car. But look what God has done. And you're able to say it was God. God is going to use you in your experience. Because somebody needs to know that there is a God. There is a God that heals. There is a God that delivers. There is a God that saves. There is a God that gets a breakthrough and God is going to use you. In your loss you're going to discover God. In your struggle you're going to start to uh, discover God. And you're going to self show individuals that you have built your life on a firm foundation and that foundation is the word of God. Experience is the best teacher. So Laban said, I learned something about the Lord through my experience. That the Lord has blessed my business because of you. I've learned that you are the proof positive. You are the living proof. You are the incontestable proof that God is a blessing. I'm telling you, God is about to give you an experience that's going to make him real to the world. And it's less about you. And it's all about the world. Turn with me to Genesis 50. Verse 19 to 21. And speaking about Joseph's life. The Bible said. And Joseph said unto them. Fear not. For I am in the place of God. But as for you. You thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it were this day. To save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones, and uh, and be comfort. And and he, and he comforted them and spake kindly to them. A lot of us are resentful, and a lot of us have bitterness because we don't understand what the experience is all about and why God is taking us through. God, God allows God orders certain things, but He allows others. It's not like he ordered it, but he's a master economist. They're going to do it, so I'm going to get some mileage out of this. Joseph Pitt and his prison experience pointed him to God. What is it that you are experiencing right now that is pointing you to God? There's something about God that you don't know. And he wants to make this aspect of his character and his nature real to you. And as he does that, he wants to make you a light, a light. He wants you to make you, you to be a light in your family. He wants you to become a light in the nation. And even as Joseph was able to say, look, you meant it for bad, 
But by experience, I discovered who I was. And I discovered who God was. And I discovered my gifts. And I discovered my talent. And I discovered my purpose. And I discovered my assignment. So I can't be bitter with you. You had an intention of being evil, but that was never God's intention. And I'm never going to be bitter towards God. It's all good. Because all things are working together for good. And while you're going through your darkest hour and darkness is all around you, that's when the light of God is going to shine brightly through you. God is not only going to give you a testimony, he's going to make you one. You are going to be proof and the living witness to this world of the nature and the character of God that no matter what you experiencing, no matter what, whether it's positive or bad, that everything works together for good and if God could do it for you then the world has hope. As long as we don't understand that when we are going through there's a whole company of people that is watching your life that are not believers and they are saying if God can't deliver you, he can't deliver me. If God can heal you, he can heal me. If you're going through the same thing as I am, why would I need to get saved? But while you are going through, God is trusting you with his brand. He is trusting you with his reputation. And that means that it's less about you and it's more about the reputation that God has charged you to carry into the world. Your life experience is going to allow you to learn everything you can about God and everything you can about yourself. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto death. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 to 15. Exodus chapter 3 7 to 15 and the Bible said and the Lord said I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and I have heard their cry by reason of their, their taskmaster for I know their sorrow and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large uh, land that flows with milk and honey and unto a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me and I have also seen the oppression wherewith Egyptians oppress them come now therefore I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people the children of Israel out of Egypt remember we began to tell you that the pain point has to become your prayer point because your prayer points are going to point you to your assignment and here God is introducing hallelujah Moses to the fact that I'm a weird of the pain points within your nation but you are the one that I'm birthing out and you are the one that is going to be the solution bringer and the answer carrier so that you become the answer to the pain points in, in, an, in an entire nation and verse number 11 
And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel unto Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God upon the mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say? And, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am sent me. Now let me say this as a caveat so that you can understand the nature of this, this particular conversation. Here you were introduced to Moses and Moses firstly had to wrestle with being deceived all of his life thinking that he was an Egyptian only to find out that he was in fact a Hebrew and he identified with their pain and in identifying with the pain he was already angry and he was already upset because his birth mother told him that he was actually his, his uh, her, her son and now she finds out that the nurse uh, the nursemaid was actually the mother and the baby sister was actually the sister the sister and now he's confused and is angry and is upset and is destroyed and all of that energy that was in him that was negative turned into murder and he murders someone out of rage and then out of rage he runs and he hides because now he's suffering from an identity crisis and in the middle of his pain he has this experience with God and as he's having this experience with God in the middle of his rage and in the middle of his pain and in the middle of his disconcertion and in the middle of his confusion and in the middle of not knowing what to do next he has this experience with God and God reveals himself as a deliverer and this is the first experience that he is having with God and is having this experience out of pain and in the pain God says listen I'm able to address the pain points not only in your life but address the pain point in the life of, of the people that you love and he said God if I go back to Pharaoh you know I'm insecure I have a speech impediment who's going to speak on my behalf he said I've taking care of that. Your brother Aaron, it's, he talks a lot. I'm going to use him. And I just want to give you just a one-liner. Let my people go. And it's only four words and that's all you have to say. And then he said, well, God, you know, I don't know who you are because I grew up with all of the other Egyptian God and I grew up uh, worshiping the God of the Nile and the God of the frogs and I worship all these other gods and now you want me to worship you and when I go I've already been endorsed by all of Egypt I've been endorsed by my adoptive mother I've been endorsed by Pharaoh and people used to look at me and worship me now I'm nobody and I'm, I've got the experience of being a murderer and so if I go I don't have any endorsement who shall I say send is sending me and he said when you go just tell him I am that I am and so can you imagine when he goes 
goes to Pharaoh and he walks up to Pharaoh and he says, listen, I had a change of heart. I've discovered my identity and my heritage and I'm coming to let you know that I have an assignment and my assignment is to deliver my people from your hand because you are guilty of despotic oppression and despotic governance and despotic leadership and I'm coming as a deliverer because this is my assignment and I can imagine Pharaoh, ha, 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 you and whose army. In fact, I want to know who put this in your head. And he said, I did. Well then, who's going to feed the people? I am. Who is going to deliver the people? I am. Who's going to protect the people? I am. Who's going to give up water? I am. Because the more you know about God, the more you know about yourself. Experience is going to begin to point you to a specific aspect of God. If you are sick, you're going to know God as your healer. If you are bound, you're going to know God as your deliverer. Every experience that you are having is pointing you to a nature of God. And you will never know who you are until you know God. That I may know him. That I may know him. Throughout scriptures, we're introduced to the names of God. You just take this a little further. Because someone experienced the nature of God. And they highlighted it. And when we highlight it, it's highlighted in scripture. That lets me know that the Seraphonician woman, her story is going to be repeated over and over again. Why? Because God is no respecter of person. And every story that is told, every biography that is written, establishes a president, a legal president. So that means that in, if in the United States of America they're arguing in a case and this is the first case of its kind, what they would do is go back in history and look for a similar case and establish that case as a precedent to be able to say, in this particular case, here are all the facts. In this current case, here is all the facts. And since all the facts are similar to this case from 1857, and they were found not guilty based on precedents. My client has to be found not guilty. Are you understanding this? So when you read the scripture, you are able to say to God, you did it for Moses. And based on precedents, you got to do it for me. You did it for Joseph. And based on precedents, you got to do it for me. You did it for Hagar, based on presidents, you got to do it for me. You did it for Esther, based on presidents, by experience, I'm learning. You have gifts. 
God expects you to use them. If you need training to school your gift, log on to schoolofthespirit.tv. You'll find training in spiritual warfare, prophetic ministry, prayer, seer's ministry, writing, and so much more. Go to schoolofthespirit.tv today. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.